This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, well, welcome to this very special TFL Talk podcast, and I've got a very special guest, Steve. Thank you for coming down. Steve is a friend of mine. He also is an extraordinary off-roader, and we're going to be talking about uh, what you've built, uh, which is, I think, the world's most badass defender. I'd, I'd like to think so. So Socorro in the shop and, and our guys uh, just, just finished this about... Uh, Oh, four weeks ago, and we uh, we hit Ure with uh, a rover rally for the weekend a couple weeks ago, and then we just took it on the Rubicon Trail uh, a little over a week ago. So you can just look at me; it's yeah. fine. Okay, I know, I know the camera's there, yeah, but don't worry about fine. that. Just look at me. Yeah. Um, so in this episode, we're not talking. We're not going to be talking about Kong and how you built it and how it went over the Rubicon Trail, but you're also a Jeep guy, so we'll do a little bit of Jeep versus Land Rover discussion. Yeah. You've got a 392, I know, as your personal vehicle as well. We've, we've got a 392 and a couple classic CJs and a couple TJs and a 4Runner, and we have a Bronco on order. And, yeah, so our, our, our company has 37 dealerships, so we are partial to many brands. Did I say you're the manager of the Land Rover Denver store? Yeah, so VPGM <laughs> there in Land Rover Denver, so I uh, have to be PC, right? But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where this was born. All right, so uh, Matt, roll the open, and uh, let's talk about uh, the Rubicon. Welcome to TFL Talk, the official podcast of TFL Studios, where we talk about the best, and yes, even sometimes the worst new cars. We talk about the coolest and sometimes the least uncool old cars and of course we give you an insider's view of all things automotive and hopefully we do it having fun and sometimes arguing so if you're driving keep driving and if you're not why not all right steve so before we talk about the rubicon and how you went over it and how much damage you did going through it uh, let's talk about kong and the build right so um, as you know um, land rover has a stellar reputation for building off-roaders and uh, when the new Land Rover came uh, around with the Defender model, a lot of people were like, hey, this thing is more of a mall crawler than an off-roader. Uh, but looking at Kong here, uh, which if you're listening to this, um, you should probably go to all TFL because we'll probably have a video about it. Uh, you'll be impressed immediately that it's rolling on 37s. Correct. Uh, that it's got... Um, well, it's got every bit of off-road gear I've ever seen on an off-roader. So tell me about how you got to building this uh, monster Defender. Yeah, so this is our fifth build. Uh, we had Big Barry before that and Big Bertha before that and Mud Flap and Big Wheel. So it's been a, an evolution. This one's on 37s with a 5-inch lift from J. Austin Fabrication. 
uh, and then uh, we're running on 20-inch wheels from uh, from Wheel Pros and a 37-inch uh, Toyo uh, Open Country MT. Uh, and then we added a Voyager rack and then some Lucky 8 sliders, a Warren 10S Platinum winch, which I highly recommend, uh, not because uh, we got paid anything, because we didn't, but it's fantastic. Yeah, they make good winches. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then we, we, had, we did some custom things. So we have full belly skids on this one. It's 3 inch steel plating. And then Lucky 8 fabbed up some rear uh, control arm sliders for us, which we definitely used on the Rubicon. And uh, then we, we kind of integrated the factory front skid into the subframe uh, and connected it to our, to our steel uh, skid plates. Now, unlike a Jeep, obviously, uh, a Land Rover has independent suspension all around. Correct. Uh, and vehicles with independent suspension are much trickier to lift, especially if you want to roll on 37s, because you get to do things like relocate uh, uh, coolers, you know, uh, I think, right? You, because I think in the, in the side of this thing, under the headlights, uh, there were intercoolers, right, that had yeah, to be moved? Yes, so there's two coolers from the factory. We relocated uh, one underneath the engine in the subframe and then removed the second one. Uh, those coolers go to the transfer case and, and transmission and more for towing, really, than, than drivability. So it uh, would impact the overall tow capacity, I'm sure. Uh, we don't have that number yet. So tell me, how did you go about lifting it? How do you lift the independent suspension? Because, look, in a Jeep, right, you've got solid axles, so that's not that hard, right? You, you can basically separate the body from uh, the chassis, ladder frame, right? It's, it's something that's been done over and over. The Jeep is actually, in some ways, meant to be lifted, but this is not meant to be lifted. Yeah, this is a complicated surgical procedure. So it's, it's a 5-inch subframe lift, and there's a front and rear subframe on the new Defender. Uh, so this is basically... Um, a, uh, an entire um, uh, assembly that you bolt into the subframe that lowers the subframe and or raises the body at the same time. Keeps the same geometry of the engine and the driveline, uh, all the steering components, so there's no additional fatigue or stress on those because they're sitting in their factory position. All we've done is increase ground clearance with tires and increased... Uh, uh, the ability to put them under there. But these kits don't exist. You had to make this up as you went along. Uh, so Jay Austin is a customer of ours and yeah. a friend of ours, and he's he's been hand-building these. Okay. Uh, um, and he does them one at a time, and, and uh, it's a labor of love for him for sure. And um, so this is our third kit we've put under one of our vehicles of his, and then we've been doing customer builds as well. And how many hours does it take? How many hours? That's two questions. How yeah. many hours are you into this Kong build, and how many hours is the lift? Well, Socorro's into this build way more than I am. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he and the guys in the shop, uh, you know, we're, we're probably two solid weeks on this build to, to get it to where we can put it on the trade. Yeah, easy, yeah. Easy. easy, probably well over 100. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're a Jeep, you know, in the weekend you can put some springs under there. And, yeah, exactly. And it's, a, it's a quicker build. Um, you could do it in one day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, when you set out to do this, and you said this is your fifth build now, did you set out to build the most capable off-roading Defender? Was that the goal? Because it certainly looks to me like it is the most capable. Yeah, it's named Kong for a reason. You yeah. know, our intent was to build, uh, you know, we're pushing the envelope on this chassis and this platform. We want to prove what it can do. And, and we went out to the to the Rubicon with, uh, with a great group and, 
and did just that. So All right, so let's it, talk about the Rubicon. Yeah, yeah. So you were out there with how many uh, Land Rovers? So it, I, it was 30-plus uh, total Rovers from the NorCal Land Rover Club. Great group, rowdy crowd, super fun. You know, the group you go with always makes the trip. Uh, we had an absolute blast. Yeah, so let me define the Rubicon. I've, I've been lucky enough to do it twice with Jeep. Once I did it in a Wrangler, the JL, and once I did it in the uh, Gladiator, uh, which was not as happy because it's a longer wheelbase. But uh, the Rubicon isn't long. <laughs> it's, I want to say it's, what, maybe 13 miles or something? It's 21 miles all the way, but the last four are kind of dirt roads. Yeah, so. the last four are dirt roads with these, like, cantaloupe-sized rocks that yeah. make for a very unpleasant <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> drive. Uh, and uh, there are well-known... Uh, obstacles along the way, mm-hmm. uh, starting with the gatekeeper, uh, and it's one of those kinds of trails where you could walk it faster than you can run it. So that I think gives people an idea of how technically difficult it is. Uh, it's just a lot of very uh, difficult off-camber uh, ground. Uh, uh, I would say off-road braking, <laughs> uh, all kinds of like funky rocks from, you know, like I said, from the groundkeeper. Well, we'll talk about the different different obstacles. Uh, but uh, what makes it uh, really unique, of course, is that Jeep has now named their highest level of off-roader based on it. And so, uh, you know, when a Jeep is trail rated, they mean it can take on on the Rubicon Trail. Correct. Uh, so uh, it's an adventure uh, for sure. It's not easy. Um, and um, tell me about like, tell me about your trip and how you decided and why you decided to do the Rubicon. So oh, and uh, it also changes, right? Because every year it changes because like the, the, they get storms and it, it the, 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 the obstacles change. They don't stay the same. Yeah, I, I, you know, boulders move with snow and yeah. ice and rain and everything else, and then you have groups come in with large groups that. Maybe move stack ra- yeah, rocks yeah. or move boulders, you know, in their favor or maybe to make it more difficult as well. So, yeah, my understanding is it's never the same trail. Uh, it's it's unforgiving. Year. It's not like yeah, you, it's, you, you figure, okay, I got over the gatekeeper. I'm good. And boom, right away. To it's the next relentlessly one. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I would describe it. Um, it's, it's just nonstop picking a line for 21 miles. And... Uh, uh, it's really hard on equipment. Um, it, you're you're constantly paying attention to your next line. So mentally, it's it's you know pretty demanding trail. And um, about halfway through, the Jeep Jamboree guys have a camp. Did you stop at that camp? Yeah. So we stayed uh, the second night uh, when we were on the trail. We stayed at Rubicon Springs. So okay. Gorgeous. I mean, just just a beautiful trip. So this this uh, event's called Rovacon, and the NorCal Land Rover crew uh, they put it put it together, and uh, it, it's limited, to, I, I think, to maybe 36 total total vehicles, and we had a couple that couldn't make it due to personal reasons or COVID or whatever. But uh, we had, I believe, 30 plus on this run, and just a super fun group. I mean, they're just diehard Land Rover guys, and it it was really fun to be on the Rubicon and run into. You know other brands. Uh, you know that they, they were they were excited we were out there and, and doing what we were doing. Yeah. So look, if you were to ask me like what the best vehicle for the Rubicon Trail would be, uh, it wouldn't be your vehicle just because it's too pretty and too nice and too expensive, right? I would say you get like maybe uh, a Cherokee, put a six-inch lift on it, right? A four-thousand-dollar Cherokee with a six-inch lift with that old straight six. Uh, and a bashed up body because it's yeah. going to be more bashed up by the time you get off of it, right? This is this for is a, sure. This is this is a trail that 
punishes vehicles like no other, right? Yeah, you, you're going to have some body damage for sure. So maybe that Cherokee has no glass too. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> By the end of it. so what kind of uh, Land Rovers were on this trip? Who? Uh, so it was a lot of classics. Um, so series one, series two, uh, a bunch of Defender nineties, one tens. Uh, Stock. Uh, some stock, yeah, yeah. yeah there and was they, some stock nineties, and oh yeah, yeah, drove Without right winching? through. Um, there may have been some winching. There may <laughs> have bet. been some winching. Yeah. I will, I will say, we never pulled cable for Kong. Uh, Kong drove through everything all on on his own. Uh, uh, we were never strapped out or, or pulled cable. So that's, you, that's a big win. I'm betting you, you stacked a lot of rocks for some of these, you know. Uh, standard, uh, you know, off-the-shelf defenders. I don't recall us stacking rocks for anything, but I'm sure we did somewhere. Okay, all right. We and didn't for Kong, I can tell you that. All right, and so brave people taking their brand-new defenders. Uh, and of course, the defender went kind of from being this very square-bodied, very basic off-roader uh, to being a much more modern, uh, uh, you know, with all the amenities. So it went from a V8 or a diesel, depending on whichever one you end up mm -hmm. with, uh, to, um, I think there are, what, three powertrains now you can get in, in the Defender? Yeah, so this one's a, a V8, 518 horsepower, supercharged, and then there's a uh, six-cylinder mild, mild mm -hmm. hybrid. And a four-cylinder turbo. And a four-cylinder turbo, yeah, yes. Yeah, so three powertrains. So you've, yeah. got, you've got the top of the line. This is the big dog. This is the big dog. So yes. we actually ordered this car to run this back in 21 with Rovicon, and then... Uh, there weren't enough parts for the United States, so they only built 40 or 50 units, and it didn't come until mm. this year. And then, uh, um, and then we the we had another build, the Trophy Edition, which is Big Barry, and we would have taken that. But then there were fires last year when we were supposed to go at uh, at the Rubicon, so we couldn't go. All right, so so walk me through what it was like getting through. Let's start with the Gatekeeper. Yeah. So the Gatekeeper is basically this. Um, What's well, a gatekeeper? It's it's kind of a you know an off camber rock stack with trees on either side, which yeah. makes it tricky because if you get it wrong, you will roll into a tree. Yeah. So if you'll notice on our rack, yeah. uh, we actually had Voyager make some some rack sliders, and I had some comments, "Hey, that's funny," and we used them uh, half a dozen times on this trail because you articulate into the trees, and we were actually sliding on those rack. Uh, those those sliders, which is better uh, than sliding the on the side of the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we sustained uh, one little mark on, uh, behind the right rear wheel. Uh -huh. um, uh, that was uh, where a tree slid off of that rack, and then I went into a hole in the gatekeeper first hundred yards of the trail, and uh, scuffed uh, scuffed the lower bumper there. Uh, and then we've got one other spot on the front so, left. So how, how do you make the rack? How do you attach the rack in such a way that it can carry the weight of the vehicle? Kind of uh, so that particular rack is rated for 1,000 pounds from Voyager. Okay. So you can put rooftop tents on it. Because um, most of them are rated barely for a rooftop tent, right? Yeah, a couple the, hundred pounds. The, the, the factory rack would not have sustained that lateral yeah. uh, um, hit, you know, weight yeah. of yeah. the truck on there. And, and usually when you're tipping into a tree it's pretty slow motion and it's not a yeah, an impact like it's a slow it. you know dip into it but we did we used those uh, i don't know half a dozen times we were touching trees with those so the thing about the you know i've done it with a group of uh, like i said wranglers and gladiators but you go very slowly right so like usually you have spotters did you guys have spotters we had them when we needed them yeah yeah um you know little sluice and uh, some of the, some of those obstacles certainly going through the the, the big rock uh, um, 
I can't remember the name of it. Had, had, had you done it before? Was this your first I had not. No, I had not. Your first so, time. yeah, we're pretty so, much Moab in Colorado. And, so what surprised you about it? Um, it was beautifully torturous. Mm. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, like, like, like here in Colorado, let's say you do a typical obstacle. There's maybe one or two, a uh, typical run, there's maybe one or two obstacles right here. It's just one after another after yeah. another. It's not like, it's like probably the most obstacles on any trail that I know of. Yeah, you, you, you go to Moab and you've got a lot of nice, I wouldn't say it's paved, but that slick rock is pretty smooth. Where this, you're literally driving over stacked rocks the whole way. Yeah. I mean, it just never stops. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so how how um, how did the other vehicles fare? So, I mean, obviously you've built out a vehicle that, uh, if anything, if any vehicle can do it, it's uh, Kong. But how about like a standard Defender? How did it do? Um, so we had no breakage. So we ran the entire trail, didn't break. Um, uh, I know some of the guys, we had uh, an axle failure, a hub failure, um, just some little things here and there. Did, did they have stock tires or did they go after? Uh, they're both. There were some guys running D90s on stock tires, and then there were some guys uh, up to, you know, I think there was some 37s on some super built, you know, old Series 1, Series 2 stuff that was really cool. Like Chris has. Giant, our friend giant Chris. V8s. I mean, they, they were sweet. I mean, like, they, like, are you saying like Chris's yellow rig like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. like that, probably even more so. I mean, because they had, uh, you know, six liter V8s and. One I think was two. So what, 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 what was the least off-road worthy one that made it through? The one that you were like, oh, that's not going to make it, and then he, he or she I, made I it. I mean, the, the the stock '90s were probably the the least prepared as far as building. You yeah. know, they were they were off the shelf, and you know they they ran right through it. So. So uh, one of the things that that uh, obviously Jeep does uh, that Land Rover doesn't necessarily do is lockers, and this is one trail that certainly rewards lockers. So some, you know, obviously Landover pioneered and were the first to come out with the terrain management system where it sends power depending on where it's needed. But, you know, you and me both know that there's nothing like having everything locked all the time, especially on something like the Rubicon Trail. So how, how did the guys without lockers, or were there guys without lockers, do? I, everybody had lockers. There's one guy, Don, that, that always likes to point out when, uh, when he's turned them on. Okay. Because uh, he likes to run a long way without them, which, which is super cool. I did mean, that's, get a, the gatekeeper that's, a good, that's a good nod to, to when you've got a great setup, when you can make it through a lot of stuff without lockers. But... Uh, you know, Kong has a center locker, rear locker, and then front uh, locking diff, uh, like an anti-spin, yeah. which kicks in. Like a torsion. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like a f- uh, viscous coupling, okay. uh, like a friction right. uh, yeah. limited slip. So it kicks in. Uh, there's a lot of technology in the new Defender. Um, to be honest, on that trail, we turned it all off and turned traction control off, and it woke the truck up because the the vehicle would think you're in a skid or you're in some kind of a panic situation and it would cut power to the engine to protect you as it should. And turning it all off allowed you to heat up tires and climb rocks and do what you needed to do. Um, most of the trails in, in Colorado or even Moab, you know, we'd leave that on and we run maybe the rock crawl mode. Um, but this was a different situation. Yeah, I, I can't, once again, I can't explain to you how difficult the Rubicon Trail is because it's basically um, pointy rocks that you go up and over that are 
seem to be diabolically designed to either get you off camber or get you stuck and high centered or get you into a situation where the thing's about to roll. Yeah, right? yeah, tie rods or, you know, or they don't like this trail. Um, you know, we, we put that 3 inch skids underneath the whole truck and we hit every square inch of them. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. So I, I had someone reached out said, do you think a stock Defender could run the Rubicon? And I would tell you absolutely not because it's a ground clearance issue. Yeah, it's just not enough. There's not, not enough, enough yeah. ground You'll clearance. You'll high center it. The, 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 the stock D90s got hung up on some ob- obstacles that, that we drove right over. Yeah. You know, so we're talking about a solid axle, um, you know, great drivers. It just didn't have enough clearance, uh, you know, and we literally just drove right over it. Yeah, yeah. When we did it, uh, we stacked. We had the, the Jeep Jamboree guys, and they were helping us. So they were basically, you know, a bunch of journalists, right? So this is not a this is not a group of people that necessarily off roads a lot. Uh, so uh, you know, they, they stacked a lot of rocks for us. They um, they certainly guided us over. So we had spotters. But you're right. There was not one part of the Jeep's uh, underbody that didn't at some point get. I mean, that's all you hear. It's like. Yeah, yeah a lot of <laughs> screeching of steel <laughs> on rock. rock. That's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. There's uh, a lot of that. And and Jeep, of course, had to prove to us when we did it uh, that a standard Rubicon can do it. So we did it in two days. So we did the first half and then spent the night at camp, you know, the Jeep Tambourine camp. Uh, and then the second day, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get into the built Jeeps. <laughs> yeah. So it made my day a lot better. <laughs> yeah, there's no replacement for tire diameter, uh, certainly on that trail. Well, plus you're aired down, right? So you need that extra height because you're going to lose yeah. some. when you, And you need to be aired down to get the grip to get over these obstacles. Yeah, we ran this mostly at 15 PSI. Um, and then uh, I think day two we ran at about 12 and a half, 13. So. All right, so let, let's talk about your other vehicle. Vehicle, your personal vehicle, which is a 392 that you okay. out. Tell me what you did to that. So you were uh, well, 37s on there, they're right? They're never you're... done. Well, I had 39s. Yes. Uh, we're moving. Uh, in fact, I just mounted last night. I'm mounting 40s. Uh, uh, we're going to Moab next week, and then we have some uh, some one-ton axles on the way. And uh, so we're going to stage three on that one. But it's uh, four and a half inch lift on adjustable King uh, uh, shocks and. Um, yeah, four and a half inch uh, Evo lift. I'm 40s now. Will be 40s, Will yeah. Will be 40s, yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're building that into a complete. Yeah, we're going to stage three, and as you know, if you get to stage three, you've lost your mind. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. At, at that point, the, the, the power that that heavy puts out is needed to turn those big wheels. Yeah. So was there a part of you that was like, I wonder what this would do on the Rubicon? Do you want to now? Yeah, I'd like to run it, you know, with my kids. They've got two TJs and, and my, my family, and it'd be fun to go back and, and run it with them. Totally different experience, obviously, with my family. But, you know, the group you go with makes the trip. And yeah, these guys about, were awesome. Yeah, tell me, what, what was fun about it? Uh, just a really rowdy uh, group that are just diehard rover guys and they love them and it's their their culture and and just just a fun group and it was great to be invited to go and and uh i had a blast i mean i've been i'm in a lot of car clubs and groups and and absolutely i told you before we jumped on here but probably one of the best trips i've ever been on wow so you've got you know one foot in the obviously you manage a a land rover dealership and then you've also you know Part of a larger group that owns how many? Thirty-seven dealers. Yeah, so we have thirty-seven dealerships. Yeah. We've got Porsche, Audi, Lexus, Toyota, Ford, 
uh, Aston. What's the group Bentley. called? It's Holman Automotive out of New Jersey. Okay. So. And family owned. Okay. And, uh, so we've got four locations in Denver, and then we're up in uh, Portland, Seattle, um, you know, great, great Western North, and we're down in San Diego. We have Porsche, Audi down there, and a Land Rover Jag store down there as well, and then East Coast, so mostly Florida and New Jersey. So um, you've got, you know, you've got one foot in kind of the Jeep world, one foot in the Defender world. What, what, what would you say is the difference between the two? I'm not going to ask you which one you like better. I think that'd be unfair, but tell me the difference between the two. Yeah, I mean, the, the, one's a howitzer and the other's a scalpel. Oh, that's I mean, a, that's the, interesting. Yeah, I mean, the 392 is you're bringing a tank to a knife fight. Yeah. Um, you know, it does things really well, like crawl over rocks and the top and doors come off, and and I love it for that. Uh, the Defender, you can tow 8,200 pounds, seat up to seven. You can get a 518 horsepower supercharged V8. Uh, I have a my favorite thing to rib the other guys on the trail when they were really hot because they don't have air conditioning was, you know, <laughs> my cooled seats are working really well over the radio and my air conditioned or refrigerated glove box, my Gatorade's really cold. And, uh, you know, that, that was fun to rib back and forth on that. Um, it's just more sophisticated. It's more refined. It's just, it's just a different animal. How, how about the communities? How are they different? Um, that's an interesting question. I think they're very similar. Like the NorCal guys are very similar to a lot of the, to the Jeep guys for sure. Cause they are diehard, you know, they're, they're out to go use their vehicles. Yeah. Um, and, and so, are Jeep, so are Jeep guys and gals. They're yeah. Both, they're, they're, yeah. Yeah. They're both going to use, at least the, the group that does use them, uses them hard, right? There's a large yeah. group of people in both communities that will never take it off road. For sure. Right, but the ones sure. who use it, use it. I mean, 98% of Defender owners are never going to do what we did, but they know that it can do it, and that, that matters. It's like 918, so I ran Porsche store for 12 years, and the 918, you know, is an obtainium for the rest of the world other than 918 people, and they like being part of that heritage and knowing that, you know, their car can do a lot of crazy cool stuff. All right, so I want to get your opinions. For all you off-roaders, you may want to go grab a snack because we're going to take a hard left turn here, and I want to get Steve's opinion on this because I feel like I've been justified, but I may be wrong, so I want to get your opinion because you've been in the Porsche world. So come back in like four minutes because uh, we're going back on road now. Uh, so I got to I got to be one of the journalists that, that uh, got to drive the new uh, GT4 RS, right, which is a Cayman, uh, the top of the line Cayman. And for a long time, Porsche kind of had the 911 as a top dog, and they kind of uh, underpowered or maybe um, didn't quite give the Cayman its due. Uh, and in some ways, it's a better track car because it's mid-engine versus rear-engine, right? So yeah. I think with you know electrification coming and with the next 911 most likely being either a hybrid or an electric version, they, they let the engineers go. Uh, and so they, they designed what in some ways is the most... Uh, uh, track worthy, the most uh, the British would say weaponized, right? It's a weapon, sure. Sure. <laughs> Porsche out there, and they got they, they they put it in my hands, and I got to drive it around uh, Big Willow in California, following a 911 lightweight turbo. So there's a lightweight version of the Turbo S, right, where the the roof is a little bit lighter, the glass mm -hmm. is a little bit lighter, uh, and for the most part, I could keep up with uh, the 911 around the turns, but the 911 has more power the turbo especially so on the straightaway he'd get me but in the turns i could keep up with him uh and and i walked away from that uh thinking uh, like i was the only guy who didn't like the car i just did not like the car wow. uh, and the reason i didn't like it was because it used to be once upon a time that like manufacturers built street cars that you could put on the track but now some some switch has gone off 
uh, and they're building race cars that you can put on the road. And there's a, it's a subtle, but it's a big difference, right? Sure. So like with the GT4 um, RS, one of the things you do is you have induction, which is right next to your head. I mean, it's like right next to your head. Uh, and you've got the steering that just comes alive. So when I say I didn't like it, I loved it on the road, but I cannot see myself, I mean, I loved it on the track, I could not see myself like driving this thing as a daily driver or putting my wife or anybody I love into it because it's so race car-like, right? It's so raw. And I've heard the same thing about the new GT3 RS, right? It's as close to a race car as you can get. And I'm thinking to myself, um, if you're one of the lucky people who can buy one of these, then maybe you'll never actually daily it or you'll maybe drive it to cars and coffee and show it off you right which is probably what i would do but as a car that you live with race cars are freaking miserable dude they're, they're yeah. just no fun yeah right the the, the, the the there's no ground clearance right the steering is nervous and jittery right the thing doesn't come into its own until you're actually on a racetrack pushing it yeah seven grand rpm and yeah yeah and it screams sure. and it's loud and it's uncomfortable yeah. right and those isn't carbon fiber seats what isn't it glorious no it's it's not it's glorious on the track but then I, how often do i go on the track right sure, sure. Right? so so this trend and there's another there's a lamborghini i drove like that to the STO, same thing. It's basically a race car you can take on the road. And actually, that one's even kind of more um, handicapped because it's so loud. It's, I think it's 134 decibels that most racetracks won't allow it. Wow. Right? Like, it's just too loud. Big Willow will allow it, but like Laguna Seca won't. Sure. You know? so, so what's your feeling on that? Well, I mean, the, you know, I, I know. I, I know think you, you're right. I th you know, yeah. those the GT cars certainly on Porsche are, are very raw. They but, are, but the GTs are still kind of... Uh, road cars that you can put on the track, right? The GTs, the GT3, but this, the the RS versions of them are so yeah. I think hardcore. that's probably deliberate. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 even probably pushing those cars more and more apart. You know, it it it's intentional, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, I think the the greatest road car. You know, we were talking beforehand. If I was going to order a Porsche today, I'd order a uh, Targa 4 GTS when it's available. Uh, it kind of hits all the buttons for me. Uh, a little bit more power. Um, of course, the turbo's crazy fast, but it's just a different car. Um, I like it a little bit more connected to the road, a little bit more visceral, a little bit more feedback. And, uh, yeah, the daily, a GT3 RS or a GT4 RS. Or, a, or even even just drive it to Cars and the, Coffee. You're going to get a headache after the yeah, first. It, it, they're, they're, it's a race car. I mean, it's that's a race car, what yeah. it's meant to be. Yeah. And, so and it's guys, glorious on the track. Most not, of the guys that are buying that car have a stable of cars, and they pull that one out yeah. when, when they can. And, and it's yeah, fun, this, this, this fun to the, go beat on a little bit and put back away and, you know, hop in the comfy. It's not like a Subaru. Yeah, <laughs> hop in your LX uh, 570 or, or, you know, whatever else you've got in the garage that's comfortable. So. All right. Or your Defender. All right. Yeah, or right. your new Range Rover. All right. Come on back, all you yeah. off-roaders. Let's go back off-road <laughs> now that I've done my little Roman rant on why. Uh, and it's funny because, like, uh, I don't know how well it's selling uh, for a lot. You know, right now we're in a weird – yeah, let's talk about that, actually. You're in the dealership business. You, you, you know more about this than me. What's going on with the supply chain? So we across all dealerships, you know, we've got – you know, pinned up orders that uh, obviously everyone would love to build every sold order tomorrow and have it delivered next week. Uh, parts availability has been an issue. Uh, the manufacturers are doing a really good job of allocating it to certain models, you know, to try to meet demand. Uh, so Defender, Range Rover Sport, and new Range Rover are, you know, sold out through through next year nationwide. Um 
doesn't mean can I get a car next year? Probably because I think you'll start to see allocation uh, return to some normalcy next year. Um, but right now, if we're sitting talking about today, you know, there, there's a pretty good wait. I mean, I've been waiting for my Bronco for two and a half years, so I, I forgot what I even ordered. <laughs> I've bought three cars since I ordered that thing. So. You still, don't, still, still haven't gotten it, huh? Still don't have it. Uh, how about, uh, can you get Defenders? Uh, uh, defenders, uh, are they gettable? They're they're getting better. I think we're down under a hundred, waiting on on allocation. And San Diego uh, Land Rover store is ours as well. And I'm not sure where he's at. He's probably got a little bit bigger list than I do. But um, you know, we're we're top ten full size Range Rover and Defender dealer nation nationwide. So. And speaking of Range Rover, um, I just went on the program and we just actually had the new Range Rover. Here, yeah, uh, and it's phenomenal. It's I mean, gorgeous. They just, they just nailed that thing. You know, it's the, very Gucci. It's yeah. gorgeous. You know, the the the. Here's my take on on the Range Rover. Right. Here's what I think is the magic sauce in the Range Rover. Right. When you get behind the wheel of of a Range Rover. Um, uh, every life just seems to be much better, right? Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? For like, sure. No matter what's happening on the outside, yeah. right? There could be hurricanes, there could be snowstorms, there could be you know massive flooding, but everything seems right with the world. You when are you're flying uh, private jet. Yeah, it's just there's a sense <laughs> sure. of well-being that no other vehicle I think instills. Yeah, it's not. So I just drove it uh, up to uh, Aspen a few weeks ago, and it, it's just. You don't get out tired. It's very yeah. You exactly. Know, you just it's it's um, it's comfortable. It's quiet. It doesn't beat you up. Yeah. There's a sense of well-being I mean, about and it, right? And it shouldn't, but it's it's like next level for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't from the outside. It, they didn't change it around too much. It's still it's an evolution. Yeah. You know, Rolex Submariner looks like the last year's model, but you know, every few years it gets way better. And I actually took it off-road in California on the program, uh, and uh, I think we were rolling on 23s, which is not something, you know, with... Probably not real off-road. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah, not something you'd want to take on the Rubicon, for sure. But it's pretty. Uh, but it was comfortable, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, the suspension is so compliant that you can get away with 23, which is like the exact wrong tire size of wheel you want, right? You probably want like a 18 or a 17-inch wheel to give you as much rubber as possible. Because sure. on 23s, what do you got? Probably maybe an inch of rubber? Not much. Not much, Not much. yeah. Maybe two it, inches. It's right? all in air ride in the, in the computer. And then uh, the headrests are noise cam headrests. Isn't that crazy? I think that's part of what makes you get out of the car and you're not fatigued driving a long way, um, you know, because you don't have that ambient noise in the car are, at all. Are those gettable? Uh, those are a huge list. I, I figured, mean, it's yeah. Even, it's even bigger than, than Defender. Defender. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, I figured they'd be a while out there. They, and they're, they're not cheap, right? They start, uh, I think we had the, uh, I forgot the name of the model. It wasn't the autobiography. So probably SE, yeah, uh, yeah. So, and, and there's a third row available in the long wheelbase, and then there's a six-cylinder and an eight, and then we'll have a plug-in hybrid coming. What's, what's the one with, like, the back seat that's, like, out of a private jet? There's one that, that like, the back seat. Uh, so that would be SV. Yeah, that's the one Yeah, so, so that's executive SV. seating, and you can recline the seat, and it has yeah. footrests. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, usually you have a driver or uh, kids that uh, uh, are, are – are, Spoiled, uh, and, and you it, know, it, <laughs> in a great environment. And it's got this really kind of 
crazy engineered little like laptop uh, desktop that pops out yeah, of the thing, yeah. which is yeah, you know, it's it's, so cool. And, yeah. and you can do custom colors in that car. And um, you know, there's a big delay on that because they hand spray them, and it's just it's sold out. Are those, are those built in the UK? I know Defenders, I think, are built like in Slovakia or something. Yeah, they're right? full sizes yeah. in the UK. So. Yeah. But go- gorgeous car. And, um, you know, they plan to, this will be our largest production year ever on, on the new Range Rover. And now there's a new, of course, when there's a Range Rover, there's a new Range Rover Sport. Kind yeah. of like, yeah. you know, mushrooms after rain in Colorado. Yeah. So both these products, I think, were probably going to come a little sooner. And, and COVID, you know, certainly impacted the full size. And I think it may have delayed even the Sport. But uh, so that's coming, um, you know, Range Rover Sport. Those three are our volume, you know, models within Land Rover. Uh, we sell the most of those. And the new Sport, is it's it's really cool. So... Uh, definitely more toward the tuned enthusiast driver than the than the full size Range Rover is, but they're not substantially different in size unless you go to the long wheelbase. So uh, Range Rover, Land Rover, there's a program in Spain that's happening on the new Sport that I wasn't invited to. Just saying, you know, you got a lot of love here uh, and a lot of audience, so just. Think of TFL next time you, you do a do a Spanish launch of a new Range Rover Sport. Love to be there. I guess we'll just have to watch it from afar. Asterisk. <laughs> is that is which one sells more? Is it the Sport? I suspect it's the Sport, right? Uh, for us, we're almost uh, dead even. Really? In normal times, yeah, between Defender Sport and full size. Hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. I would have mm-hmm. thought that like because a Range Rover is so much more expensive. Yeah, nationally, uh, I believe Sport nudges out the other two slightly, but the intent is to for those three to be pre- pretty equal in volume. Now, you said something interesting. You said next year you think we'll get back to more normalcy, and I, I think I agree with you because I'm seeing like used car pricing start to come back down. Uh, and, you know, when, when used car prices come down, then eventually new car prices are going to have to follow, right, because there won't be this crazy thing where new cars are the same price as used cars. Yeah, it's been crazy times for sure. I mean, you probably know people that have traded in a car with thirty, forty thousand miles and got what they paid it, paid for it. Yeah, um, you know, and then it's the delta to the new car. You know, depending on who the dealer is and if they mark cars up or not. We we don't. I mean, we're that's great. Fundamentally, we we don't do that. But uh, there are those that do, and and you know, at some point, all of that will will stabilize. Housing's been the same way, certainly here in in Denver. Yeah, for sure. And well, how, I can't believe how quickly the housing market flipped with interest rate, right? It went from being a buyer's market, I mean, a seller's market to being a buyer's market like overnight. Yeah, it, it certainly impacts it. And so so when you say you don't, um, you don't go uh, adjusted market uh, ADMs, right? Yeah, we don't. We don't. Uh, oh, is that like a, is that like a corporate decision? No, home? that's at our location yeah, okay. and, and most of the Holman uh, locations. You know, I, I I don't oversee those, so I, I can't tell right. you who does or doesn't. But uh, I think most do not. Um, uh, so here, we we might have a special edition like the bond edition did, right? Uh, because that's a numbered car. But but that would be the only thing we would ever do that on. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. How many of those were made? I think it was 200 wow. worldwide. Yeah. How many did you get? Uh, we got one. We got. Yeah, and then we got three trophy editions of the previous trophy. And they're bringing the trophy edition back. Yeah, yeah. this one's super low production, so we're only getting one of this of this new model. And it's a two-door. So you know how at the Biltmore, right, they do this competition? Mm-hmm. They did it last year? Well, yeah. Th- Tommy got yeah, invited. Trek. Yeah, Tommy got invited. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year... Um, Lindsey Vaughn was there, uh-huh. right? And yeah. She had, she had a whole camera team following her around, and 
and Tommy and uh, Jeff Glucker and Brian Dorr were. Uh, so what this is is basically they put on a competition where first you got to run to uh, your defender and then they have a series of uh, different uh, Challenges, I suppose you have to like winch, or you have to like park the car. And yeah, it's not all about the car. Right? Right. You have to know how to read coordinates, or, or, or you need to know product knowledge and color choices, and uh, you might have to canoe to an island and get a clue, or run, you know, two miles or a mile. Or, so it's it's physically demanding as well as you got to know so, what you're doing. So last year, you know, the celebrity. Uh, and they stacked the, kind of the, the competition. They gave Lindsey Vaughn, uh, you know, a bunch of like uh, pretty hardcore uh, athletes, right, to, to help her. Uh, and I guess I'm, 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 you know, very proud of Tommy. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna tell the story the Tommy way. Uh, yeah. So they, uh, they they had a camera crew following her around, uh, and, and Tommy's team completely like wiped everybody like they were like 50 points ahead it was like 250 points and everybody else was like you know less than 200 points or something like that and then uh uh it's funny because they didn't expect that team to win and so their camera crew was like hey do you guys have any video that we could borrow because we were following <laughs> Lindsey Vaughn around so I was really proud of Tommy that yeah he, that he was able to, to do that and they invited him back I think next month he's going back for yeah for it's the next coming one. up yeah, yeah and this is usually a dealer thing right so they they usually uh -huh. have dealers and the cars are actually assigned to dealers is that how that works uh so you they they have a certain number of vehicles so you have to sign up yeah and then you you as a as a result you get one of the truck vehicles that they used in the competition and these are the trophy ones we were talking about uh, different different car. So the trophy is a customer, uh, similar to Trek, but it's a customer event. So if you buy the trophy, then you can go compete in the oh, trophy Oh, that's right. Event. So this, this is Trek, and that's trophy. Yeah. And then if you win in the U.S., um, uh, you get to go to the, the international competition. So, But our team, so Socorro is going back for Trek, and then Sam and uh, Ryan Armstrong are going. And uh, I don't want to say anything, but... They're pretty competitive, and uh, two years ago we, we we would have been in the top two, but we maybe stopped to help somebody. Oh, that's nice. Cost us some points, so yeah. I told them don't be so nice this year. Uh, all right. <laughs> so is that happen at the same Biltmore? Is it the same same? Uh, course? This one's not there. I believe it's up uh, uh, New Jersey, New York area this year. So yeah. So uh, Land Rover, Range Rover have a series of off-road uh, courses, right? Where mm -hmm. if you buy the vehicle, you can go. And learn the skills so that yeah, you need. Yeah. yeah, similar to the Porsche Experience Rants, Center. Yeah. When you, when you go to Land Rover, you can go down and experience it. Uh, you know, we have an advantage here in Colorado because we can just go in our backyard with with customers. Right, but if you're on the East Coast, sure. Yeah, there's sure. not a lot of off-roading there that's public. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, do your customers take advantage of that? Do you see people actually using that? Or do uh, we do a little bit more so, just taking folks out on a trail run. Uh, you know, COVID slowed that down, so we've got some stuff coming up in September and October. As a, as a store, you do that? Yeah, yeah, it's super fun. And are you the guy leading it, or is there somebody else? Yeah, I go, and yeah. then we usually bring Socorro for uh, support staff in case we, uh, you know, pop a tire or something. We can we can get a tire change real quick. And, where where where, are you, where do you go? What's the uh, the one we have coming up? will probably run Redcone. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. that's a great trail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you saved yeah. our butts. But yeah. when we were at Redcone, <laughs> you gave us wheels and tires. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we had uh, we had some takeoffs. I think from from yeah. Big Bertha. So yeah, we had to leave the truck up there. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious because I pop a wheel and a tire, and then Tommy Tommy does the same thing. That was pretty. Yeah, funny. the sidewall on that tire is not uh, off road friendly. No. No, that so, was not. Let's call it what it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's 
grossly underperforming for what it needs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, not a Rubicon friendly no, trail. No, rated no, tire. no, no. So let's talk about what's next. So you just built Kong. Uh, mm-hmm. Any other plans? You got any other? So we've got some more plans for Kong. Yeah. Uh, we are working uh, with Tim Scully, or coming up to work with Tim Scully to see if we can't figure out how to get a front locker, uh, air locker in that. Like an ARB. Uh, Yes, yeah. And then uh, uh, when we do that, we'll need to uh, upgrade the axle shafts with RCV. Uh, How strong are the Defender shafts? I mean, you know, you said you're going to upgrade your... We haven't had any issues. Um, We've seen a couple of rear shocks that have failed. Uh, Who does the shocks for them, do you know? Are they they, their own? They're, I mean, they. I'm sure they sub them out to right. someone, but I'm but not sure. But they're not sure. like Fox or King. No, no, they're no, not, like one not of a them. proprietary yeah. brand yeah. on them. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, tie rods will become tie rods and steering box will become the weak point if we get the locker up front. So um, you know, we'll explore trying to trying to beef but that up. I think you're really pushing the envelope. You know, does does Landover like that, or are they like stop it? Yeah, no, they're they're fans. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, my whole intent is to show this is a super capable truck because yeah. when it came out, there were doubters, and uh, we certainly won some over on the Rubicon Trail. Not just in our group with Robicon, but you know, we had an audience uh, um, kind of everywhere we went. You know, and they they were excited to see it out there, and and they were there a lot of like G people, like holy cow. Uh, you know, we had a couple guys. I had heard one guy in Little Sluice said, "Oh man, that thing's gonna flop," and we drove right up it after uh, uh, after a classic struggle to get up. Uh, um, we did the hard bypass um, because my whole intent was to run the trail without any breakage. Uh, next year, we'll we'll run the the big boulders and Little Sluice in the middle there. But uh, I mean, we drove right up that. It, it didn't even blink. Mm. And it did that all weekend long. You know, mm. people walk up to watch it not do anything. It, you know, it's like a car wreck, right? You want to see what happened. You know, and, and then we just drive right up it, and they'd be like, wow. I think, I think the reason that uh, there's this kind of disparity between, like, what, what you guys are doing and what, you know, corporate's doing is because of where you're doing it, right? So I know they have an off-road testing area uh, at HQ in the U.K., but in general, uh, Europe doesn't have a lot of, you know, I, I've been to Europe a bunch, and it, it, there's not a lot of hard off-roading. You have to go to, like, northern Africa or someplace like that to actually, you know, get into the kind of stuff that we have. Uh, and so for them, I think, I think uh, you know, the, the stuff that you guys are doing is not something that, that is natural because it's just that geography isn't there. Yeah, muddy, muddy dirt roads with puddles is not really right. Yeah, yeah, hard. It's good on video, right? When you when you drive down into <laughs> that that muddy like pond. Uh, I mean, I've uh, the the GM of our uh, of our Lexus store at, at Kudu Lexus Greenwood Village. Uh, I think he drove a Caprice Classic up over Ofer Pass out of Telluride. So, um, you know, you could you could do a lot of things in a lot of different vehicles, but uh, um, you know, this is this is legit stuff, and it's it's punishing on the vehicle yeah and that's the difference is it's just absolutely punishing on the vehicle so i think what what they did or landover did which was very smart was was they leaned kind of into 
uh, the lifestyle aspect of it, right? So sure. you could go and you can get the, you know, the, the roof rack, you can get the tent, you can get the little box on the side, you can get the ladder, right? Mm -hmm. This is more, I would call it overlanding than off-roading, right? Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's like the lifestyle. I want to take my, I want to put the canoe on the thing, right? Yeah. It's uh, an exceptional overlander yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But the Voyager rack, you can put a four-man tent up there, and I mean, it's phenomenal. Um, our whole point is to prove it can do more and like we said earlier 95 99 percent are never going to do the stuff we do because they're going to look at it and go huh, i'm not going over that yeah and i think i think what um manufacturers do at their peril is uh they sometimes and i've seen it over and over again and jeep is very good at this actually they're the ones who don't do this right they they don't ignore the fringes and I'm you know or the, the they plan for it right and I think Bronco's also there. Bronco mostly planned for right. it but steering steering and tie rods are an issue but but yeah. they don't they they, they they understand that people do in North America take these things on very hard trails uh, and they take that into account when they actually not just market the vehicle but when they design the vehicle and when they build the vehicle right uh, there was a lot of consternation um, among uh, Jeep. Uh, fans when the JL came up because everybody thought they were going to go to independent suspension. And in the end, uh, you know, I, I've heard internally that there was, you know, a hair's... I think there was pretty close. Right, yeah, it came within that. a hair's breadth yeah. of actually going. But at yeah. the end, the, the, the hardcore guy said, no, we want, you know, solid axles because it's easier to modify. You know, they work. They're, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like the difference between... It's a tractor. I yeah, mean, yeah, it just works. Yeah, right? yeah, and, 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 it's, and it works, but it works the detriment of on-road performance, right? For sure. It makes it, you know, <laughs> you get death wobbles. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the, the 392 and the XR, they've certainly done a, they spent a lot of time tuning that suspension, and it's it's way better yeah, than it was. Agreed. I mean, Bronco, uh, plus you know, we have a Forerunner. They're very comparable on the trail. This is actually very comparable to those because they lift a tire, this lifts a tire. It's kind of normal if you have independent front suspension. Um, we are not running a rear sway bar in this, which gives us a lot more articulation in the rear. So it's kind of reverse of a Jeep where you disconnect the front and leave the rear. We're going the other way. Yeah, so th that's also... Wakes said, it up a bunch. You said something interesting, too. Obviously, solid axles don't lift tires, <laughs> right? It's a, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's got to be a It's a, a teeter-totter, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can, there's one up in the air. It's really... You're probably at an angle where you're going to roll. Yeah, where you're going to feel the rock or whatever on the road on a solid axle, which gives you a less... You know, the ride isn't as good as independent front, for sure. So... Um, you know, I, I think that, like I said, I think that, that the manufacturers, and I, and I think Land Rover leaned into kind of the overlanding, leaned into the lifestyle part of it, uh, but that disappointed a lot of people because the previous Defender was pretty much a hardcore off-roader, right? That was a track. I mean, Land Rover, okay, Land Rover, first of all, you know, they copy Jeep, let's face it. So they, they kind of copy Jeep, made it aluminum, which was unique. But then they pioneered something, which was they were the first to put luxury into that formula, into the off-road formula, and they yeah. still do that. But the old Defender, like you said, was a tractor. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't built to be luxurious. It was built to be very off-road Yeah, it was purposeful. Um, and I think they only, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they only imported like 5,090s to the United States over It was like 93, years. Over, over a period of a few years. Yeah, yeah and those so, are very valuable. So we're remembering this tiny, tiny, tiny little production number um, where, you know, these are, you know, they're building lots of these yeah. for the masses. And, you know, we ski, we're, you know, we got kids on ski team, an awesome ski vehicle. 
super easy to clean. I mean, you guys had one. You just blow it out with the leaf blower and wipe it down with a wet towel, and there's no carpet. It's clean instantly. So, so that's the, the part I love about it. Out of the three defenders, right, the 90, the 110, and the 130, which one is the most popular? Uh, 110. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. 90 is a two-door, 110 is a four-door. With You can't get it with or without rear seats, and the 130 is the big, long yeah. Uh, suburban of, of it defenders. gives you additional storage behind the, the third row seat um, 130 hasn't hit the showroom yet so we don't know what the tick rate will be on that I think it'll be more than 90 but less than 110 and how about in terms of engine what's the most popular engine is it the hybrid or is it the V8 uh, we're or almost 50 56 and 4 I mean, the four is really good. Yeah, it's got a lot of power. <laughs> Three hundred, uh, yeah, <laughs> except for ours. Yeah, well, <laughs> you had that, but. <laughs> so I, I heard through the grapevine. So if you guys don't know, we had three defenders, <laughs> not because we wanted three, but because ours kept breaking, and then there were some issues with the winch. Uh, but I heard that they finally took our engine back to the UK and they tore it apart, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it, and then eventually they figured out that the serpentine belt. Uh, was uh, not cut straight, so it, it, it wasn't you know exactly hmm. the right length, and it was it was like wavy, and that caused basically um, it, it caused the engine to throw a code because it was slipping, and that's what it was. It was hmm. just a, it was if they, all we had so to it do went in to protect itself probably. Yeah, yeah, because it messed with the timing. So all they if they had just changed out the serpentine belt, it was like bad production. So hard, hard to know. Yeah, but it took it took them you know a lot of time to figure that out. But, but most of those four-cylinder turbos are really good. Yeah, I mean, we have that engine in a yeah. lot of product. And yeah, yeah, it's, in, it's also in a whole it, bunch of other vehicles. We, yeah. It's, it's in the, uh, uh, what other ones is it in? Uh, well, Jag uses it in several models as well. But it's in Velar, it's in F-Pace, uh, XE. Um, I'm not sure what else. You guys sell, you don't sell Jaguar, right? Uh, not yet. So our San Diego store has Jaguar, and we I, I will. I think you have to do both, yeah. Uh, we have to do some showroom improvements. Uh, we're just Jaguar. waiting on some uh, facility requirements from the factory, and then we'll uh, we'll be adding Jag. Yeah, we just bought a Jaguar. Did you see ours? It's a 2002. Yeah, yeah it's a classic. <laughs> Six a classic. and a half thousand. Let's go run them. <laughs> All right, so I was saying, what's next for this? So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do some more uh, runs. Yes, so a couple more trail runs this year, yeah. uh, a couple customer events, and then uh, this this winter we'll uh, we're gonna try to get the front locker figured out uh, for the community. I mean, there's a lot of people asking for that. I will say, uh, Ralph Sarek, he's been running his two dories on steel springs with, I believe, a four inch lift and 35s and. No, no, I don't think he even has lockers, but he's he's he wheels the crud out of that thing. And how's the air suspension holding up? Uh, we I have had no issues. We've had one airbag failure uh, in Ure on a unit with sixty thousand miles. Some gravel got in there and rubbed a hole in it. Um, now the, the big this is a hardcore used off road Defender One Ten. Now the, the big um, the big. Uh, Sales point of the new air suspension is that they've got apparently what two bags, right? So you've got the big bag and then there's a smaller yeah. bag. Because usually what happens with air suspension is when you max it out, when you put it in its off-road mode, you then lose all suspension travel. And it becomes like a goat cart because it becomes very stiff. So in the Defender, uh, Land Rover is very proud of the fact that there's another bag, right? That, yeah, it's that, like off-road extra. Yeah, that, off -road get, plus. that gives you a little bit of like... So when you select rock crawl mode, it takes you up an additional... I don't. 
think it's an inch or an inch and a half on top of yeah. that. But you do, it rides really stiff. But you're using that to clear an obstacle, and then you bring it. So yeah. I ran most of the Rubicon in normal ride height. Normal ride height. 37s, yeah, yeah. Normal, normal air quotes. Yeah. Height. But as far as the airbags, they were in standard ride height. Okay. Uh, and then if we got to a really big obstacle, obstacle, I would lift it up, get you know my tires placed what, on it or over it, and what, then we drop is, it back ha, down. You know what the ground clearance is on that on Kong normal ride height? What is it? Over ten inches. We'll to, yeah, it's probably eleven or twelve now. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, um, you, you you still have. I mean, you've got control arms under there, and they're they're going to limit you. You look underneath a JL, the shocks are the rear shocks hang way down. I mean, way down below the pumpkin. So there's that's the thing that Chevy loves to do too. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the mounts for so, the rear shocks. Yeah, are so always... it gives you a longer shock travel, which gives you more droop, which is what you need. It's it's not so much up travel; it's more down travel is what you want. So let me ask you this: before we wrap this up, we're running out of time. Um, you know, when we started our off-road channel, one of the things we started to do was uh, to review side by sides. Uh-huh. And I got to tell you, once you're in a side by side, it's it's hard to go back. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 and, and, uh, right, because I have a bad back, and uh, the Rubicon Trail for me is murder. But side by sides just make uh, that kids play, right? Because not then you're going from like maybe eight or ten inches of travel to like seventeen or twenty inches of travel. It just becomes a whole, and then the power to weight ratio just changes. Have you done side by sides? I've done side by sides. My hard part with side by sides is you need a truck to pull it, a trailer, yep. yes, somewhere to park. You hope your stuff's still there when you come back. And for the same money, you can buy a pretty capable off-road vehicle yes, that you expensive. can drive around town. Oh, my gosh. They're, so you know, I, I'm not a huge fan, but I, I do admire their capability. And, um, you know, a Can-Am or um, Can-Am Maverick or a Polaris uh, Turbo, those are $30,000 rigs. Yeah. Right? And that's before you start adding, you know, all yeah. the bells and whistles like radios and, you know, roofs and glass yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. You, I mean, no matter what you buy, you can always accessorize forever. You know, you're never done. So I'll, so. I'll tell you one story. and You might like this. I was just on a Honda program, and Honda's not going to like me telling the story, but I was going to tell it. And we were there with a bunch of automotive journalists, so we were driving uh, some Hondas, and they decided to let us uh, run – uh, this was in Nashville at the race course. So they had set up like an off-road course and let us run the Talon, which is there like, uh, and the Talon is actually unique because unlike most side-by-sides, it has a dual clutch transmission. So most have CVTs, right? Which is good for a side-by-side because if you overheat them, they just blow the belt, you can put the belt on them. So um, I was like, I don't know if these uh, kind of automotive journalists know how to like drive a side-by-side because they had some pretty tight corners. So I was like, you know what? I'll just go last. And on the very first lap, uh, they tried to kind of put them into the corner the way you would a, like a car. And a car, you know, if you put it in a corner, it'll eventually lose grip and slide. But what happens with a side-by-side is it doesn't slide. It catches and it rolls. Right. So, you know, on the first lap, the guy in front of me rolled it right away. Luckily, he was fine. And didn't put his arm out. No, and that was another A lot thing. of people put their arm out. Yeah, a friend of mine actually did that on his wedding day and had to get mm-hmm. airlifted because he completely crushed his hand. Yeah. But luckily, they had the mesh so you couldn't put your arm out, yeah. right? That's just a natural instinct. You yeah. want to put your arm yeah. out to it, stop yourself. Even if you know not to do it, you, you still know, do it, it happens. Yeah, you want to hold on to the steering wheel. Uh, and so Honda kind of gave us this come to God talk, and then uh, we went again, and then the second lap, the guy in front of me once again, different guy this time, Ugh. rolled it. They don't slide, right? They, that's not how they work, especially yeah. with those tires. They hook tires. up too much. They hook up too much, yeah. That's what they're designed to do. But um, it's changing, you know. You're you're out there on the trails, and 
I remember I used to go to Moab and it was like guys on dirt bikes or mountain bikes and now it's and then it was ATVs and now it's all side by sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I always I, I'm out there and I always worry about the side by side guys because you'll see them out there um, and these things are these things are as close to like you know trophy trucks as you're gonna get without actually owning a trophy truck right they're that good off road yeah. and I think people tend to um, underestimate just how quickly you can get yourself in danger. So I'll see people out there without seatbelts, I'll see people out there without helmets, I'll yeah. see little babies in the back of these things. These are like, it's like putting a baby in a race car. It's sure. not a good idea. And I wonder, you know, as we move forward coming off COVID, you know, a lot, a lot of people bought side-by-sides through that for something to do, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think what happened with COVID was like the first nine months, people were like, no, I'm gonna save my money, Yeah. and I'm just gonna hunker on home, I'm down, I'm just gonna- And then they get and they got stir bored. crazy, yeah. and they, you know, and, and so I wonder bonkers. how many of those summer of next year, because we've seen half on the trail this year versus last year. Um, and I wonder, you know, what what is that gonna look like in that community? I don't know, I mean, maybe they come back and, they're back out again, but it's definitely gone way down. Yeah, and then you need, it's expensive because you need a trailer, and then you need a truck to pull the trailer, right? The yeah. beauty of this, of Kong and of, of your Jeep, is you just drive it out there. Yeah, right. and then you drive it home and take the top off and enjoy it in yeah. town. And yeah, you yeah. Know, you can't yeah. run your side-by-side. Well, some towns you can. I don't, I, I don't mean the trash guys yeah. with, with side-by-sides, there, you know, but there is, there's, you know, it's always a new kids in town who are going to get, you know, I remember when. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we call those the steel bumper guys, you know, so, when the Lincoln Town car got rid of the chrome <laughs> bumper, you know, they ruined it. <laughs> but I will, I will hold, I will say one thing about side-by-side. So I've run uh, in Moab, top of the world, a few times, and you run it uh, with like a group of people and it's going to take you most of the day, right? Because yeah. you're just going slow and you run it by yourself it might take you an hour and a half two hours i ran that thing on a side by side in like 25 minutes yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's super capable for sure <laughs> so and, and and they're just different uh, forms of off-road fun well uh, steve thank you very much uh, if people are looking to check out your dealership where should they look uh so that's land rover denver again yeah. we're part of home and automotive and uh massive company we've got uh um, largest fleet company in the world. We have uh, ARI, and we've we've got. Uh, um, uh, you got any cool used vehicles right now that that are on the lot that people might be interested in? We always do. Yeah, we've got Porsches and Bentleys and G wagons. Do people trade? Do people trade these on on, on Range Rovers and Land Rovers? All the time. Yeah, all the time. We get pickup trucks, full size pickup trucks, I all it. the time. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. there's these very high-end pickup trucks, right? The uh, the, the uh, high country and the Chevy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, every brand has their own, you know, the King Ranch in the Ford. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like people, you know, once once they want luxury, they want luxury. Yeah, I mean, we've we just traded for a Laramie or limited Ram 2500 Cummins. I mean. Everything under the sun. And will you sell those, or will you like? Oh um, no, we sell everything. Yeah. yeah. You don't like we take do. them to the auction. Uh, yeah, we sell a lot of pickup trucks. It's you wouldn't think a Land Rover store would be a pickup truck store, but we are. So. How, about, how about like I was just talking to uh, Lexus. I was just I was just driving a new RX, and they made the statement that thirty-five uh, percent of RX owners go back and buy another RX. What, what, what's your gut feeling about Land Rover, Range Rover owners? Do most of them come back? It's and, a super high percentage, super it, yeah. loyal brand. Yeah, yeah. It, definitely in Defender Sport, uh, full size, for sure. Mm. Um, they might be more transient, like in uh, Vogue and uh, Discovery Sport. Um, 
And then Discovery, that's which another is one that's got that four cylinder, the Evoke. Yeah, I was going to think of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Discovery falls right below Defender and even overlaps in pricing, but it has a third row as well. And how does that sell? Uh, not as big a volume. Um, that kind of tailors more to that Overlander person. Um, when we brought Defender in, uh, actually Discovery sales went up. Really? Because Defender wasn't available, and they're like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. It's a very similar. You know, kind of third row seat. Very similar. They're similar. Yeah. I mean, they look, they look physically different. look very different, yeah. but um, mechanically very similar. Yeah, there's a part of me, because Discovery's, um, well, you know, I mean, uh, Discovery 1, Discovery 2 had all kinds of fatal flaws, uh, and then LR3, there was a period of like 2015 to 2018, 20, no, it was, 20, it was 2005 to 2008, I think, where they were completely bulletproof. Uh, and then, of course, because the LRs had uh, really kind of hurt their reputation, they went back to Discovery 5, right? And so there's a part of me that, that wants to actually buy a Discovery and do something like that with it, just because yeah. it's it's more of the... Yeah, they, they do make... So the lift is very similar yeah. for the Discovery, and, and it would Jay be Austin un, makes it. It would be unusual. And I remember before Defender, you were doing that too, right? You were doing a lot Yeah, of so we were doing a kind of a mild stage one with uh, lift rods from Lucky 8, and then uh, about a... 33 and a half inch uh, metric tire, but a, yeah. but a mud terrain, a real tire, and, and, for those and then roof racks so that you could get a tent up there. And, and, and actually, I, I kind of I kind of forgot about that, and thanks for reminding me, right? So I said that a solid axle vehicles are easy to lift. Actually, uh, the easiest is lift rods. Is lift rods, yeah. So they're these little plastic rods that you can uh, replace for the factory ones that fool the truck into thinking that it's lower than it really is. Yeah. And so the standard just height on the air you, suspension. It moves your standard height. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can do up to two inches on those. I, and I like, like 100 it. bucks, right? They're not expensive. Uh, yeah, they're a couple hundred bucks, bucks and yeah. then, you know, some labor. But, um, I mean, you can put them on in your garage, too, yeah. if you're mechanically savvy. But uh, uh, we kind of like the one-inch or one-and-a-half-inch better because it still gives you some group. Uh, some additional suspension uh, travel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was wrong. They're actually easy. Uh, that's the easiest one. Yeah, but so the, and the, we're the doing about a lot of those on Defender. A lot of folks are going thirty-two and a half, thirty-three and a half metric tire, way better tire, lift rods, rack. Um, that that's pretty. Common. How how big of a tire can you go with lift rods before it starts to rub? You know, on the fenders or on the wheel. wheel it rods? really really depends on the tire and uh, the wheel. Um, so on these, uh, that tire is more squared off on the tread to the, to the sidewall. So not as you, you have to trim more. Uh, if you go like a Duratrack, um, or a KM3, which the KM3 is horrible in the snow, so I wouldn't recommend it. But yeah, those are mud terrains. It's a miserable tire. And in fact, I just took them off my Jeep because they're awful, but. The KO3s are good, especially if you, there's two kinds. There's the snow, with oh, the snowflakes, right? They're snow rated. Right. Those are actually good. Off yeah, in the they're, snow. S- they're siped and they're better. Yeah. Uh, KO2 is a good kind of all around tire, but it's a little more squared off like that, so you might have to trim more. So it's it's super subjective. I, I'm i going to beat my, my drum. I wish that Land Rover had planned for a larger tire in the front of that vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can see it. They right, intentionally. I can, I can see the distance. They intentionally. Right Probably didn't. Mm. Um, maybe in the warranty uh, in stuff? The redesign. I don't know. I can't answer for them, but it, it was clear that they had no intention of putting a big tire under that vehicle. Uh, or and it looks so good. It. Yeah, it looks. It looks like it should look right. Yeah, it looks so, <laughs> so good. Yeah. We, 
uh, everybody comes in and they go, I want that. And then they find out that's pretty expensive to do. And we end up doing lift rods and and a bigger tire and they're super happy. Yeah. The the problem often too, with going bigger is you can go pizza cutter, but those don't look good, right? Because you don't want that rubbing. So if you go a little narrower, then you could potentially go bigger, but then you have this tire that just looks weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the best setup for for longevity and everything's probably the four inch subframe lift and 30, 35 or thirty four and a but, half. But inch. now you're talking tens of thousands. It's expensive, yes. Yeah. yeah. So but those are the have that are hard. That in the jeeps, so it's it's all relative of so, how far do you want to go. So do you ever do those kinds of lifts on customer vehicles if, if people want? So them? we'll do up to a thirty five in the four inch. Yes. Okay. All right. And we can do up to two per month. Um, and we just added uh, eight stalls to our shop, so we've got we're expanding and and got some more space to be able to do so, that. So if you guys are out there on the west coast or east coast and you're looking for somebody to actually help you, come and buy a, a truck. Yeah, and even if you know, I get calls every day. You know, hey, here's what I'm thinking. I just want to pick your brain. I'm happy to tell you. You know, we've we've tried a lot of stuff. Yeah. And we're going to keep pushing it, and we'll keep trying things. And you know, I. I usually talk them out of some tire choices or sizes, depending on what they want to do. Well, thank you very much for sharing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, sharing your experience yeah, and sharing your time. Really I want to thank uh, you yeah. know Don and Greg and Eric at, at Rovacon for for getting me out there and all the guys that were on the trail. It was a super fun trip, and you know it's the first new Defender that that made it. So uh, uh, I think that attempted it or uh, completed it, and we did it without any breakage. And I, I huge shout out to them. I can't explain to you guys that have not been out there on the Rubicon train just how hard that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, There's it's, a lot of broken vehicles along the trail. Oh, there are, I mean, yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like every every few hundred you know yards there's somebody fixing something yeah like like i say you know it's so different from what we're used to in colorado or in moab it's just such a such a excruciatingly difficult course uh and to be able to do it in a new defender just speaks volumes about the defender yeah and your and your you know customization of it yeah Yeah. thank you all right see you next time all right we'll see you thanks remember check out all tfl uh if you want to check out all of our podcast all of our uh, stories. Uh, and yeah, thanks for joining me, Steve. See you next time. Ciao. Thanks. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, Did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.